Hence why, even though I didn't even know about this phenomenon at the time, I had naturally sought ways to elevate my mood and get out of this rut of social isolation, FOMO, sadness, disappointment, to kind of pick myself up off the ground and keep myself growing as a person. Welcome to Setback Stories. I'm Chelsea, your host, here today to bring you on an adventure full of lessons and stories about me, my guests, and the times we've had to move backwards before moving forwards. So, whether you're exercising, commuting to work, or have some free time, we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Setback Stories. Today, it's going to be a solo episode with moi. And if you've been listening all the way up until now, I want to give you a huge thank you because that just means a lot to me and my team that people are actually listening and following along with this passion project of ours. That's so cool. So thank you. Thank you. And if you're joining us for the first time today, thank you as well. But if you haven't already, I would recommend that you check out episode number one before listening to this one. Reason being is because today's episode is going to be an extension of my major setback story, which I dive into great detail in episode number one. So it'd be great if you had a little bit more context as to what I'm going to be talking about today, which has to do with coping with loss. More specifically, coping with the losses that resulted from tearing my ACL. So in this solo episode, I will be answering three questions. Number one, what did I lose from tearing my ACL? Number two, How did these losses impact me, especially my mental health? Number three, how did I cope with these losses? I have a feeling that this episode is going to be a long one, so let's just hop right in and start answering the first question. What did I lose from my ACL tear? I probably should have mentioned the function of the ACL in the first episode, so my bad. Pretty much, the ACL stands for the anterior cruciate ligament. It's a very important ligament in the knee that helps you stabilize the knee during pivoting and cutting sports. More specifically, if you're interested, it prevents the tibia bone from sliding or protruding in front of the femur bone. And because at the time of my tear, I was playing ultimate, obviously ultimate is a pivoting, cutting sport, right? So that meant that I was sidelined for my senior year of high school ultimate, my final year of junior club ultimate, and also from trying out for my university's ultimate team. Out of all these three opportunities, I would say that the second one was my biggest loss, and I'll explain why. So in 2018 was the year where most of this went down, including me missing my final summer of playing Club Ultimate. And I was on a team called Toro. I was actually on the team in summer 2017 as well, and Toro is regarded as one of the top junior teams in the country. Looking back at it now, I guess it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but at the time I felt like playing for Toro was kind of a part of my identity because I had viewed, and I guess I still kind of view Ultimate as a passion of mine and therefore part of my identity. So I was on the team in summer 2017. I was able to play, honestly did not play a lot because I was benched a lot. which is fine. And then summer 2018, I would have been on the team, except that I was physically unable to. I'll just talk a bit about how summer 2017 proceeded, because I feel like it informs a lot about my sentiments towards missing out on summer 2018. 
Originally, when I was trying out for club teams, I was hoping to make the B team, and I did. I was really, really happy because I didn't think of myself as capable enough to make the A team. But early on in the season, I actually received an email that read, moving to Toro, which really, really shocked me, but it was definitely an opportunity that I did not want to pass up on because I knew that the girls on the team were very very skilled and I knew that practicing with them and playing with them would have accelerated my growth in the sport and not to mention the coaches were pretty bomb like I believe five at least five of my teammates made team Canada the following year which just goes to show like how skilled and talented those girls were also funny story the reason why they had moved someone up from the b team was because one of the girls on toro had actually torn her acl so that meant there was an extra spot i am very grateful to have gotten to know her because she definitely like supported me through i guess the grieving process of just not being able to play due to such a serious injury Anyways, I was originally a B-team player, moved up to the A-team of Toro, and that summer, I definitely learned a lot in terms of ultimate, but I'd say that my mental health was definitely going down the drain. I felt very anxious every time I went to practice. I even cried and broke down, like, after the very first practice, and oh, I totally blocked that out of my memory until now, and I just remember the reason why I felt these nerves all the time was because I was so intimidated by the skill level of my teammates and I felt imposter syndrome all the time because I knew that my throws weren't consistent and at the time I thought that that was all that mattered. I neglected the fact that I could cut well and that my speed was pretty good and that I was agile and everything else that coaches would be looking for aside from throws but I just thought in my head even though no one was saying it to me out loud or behind my back, not that I know of, I just thought that I was the worst player on the team and obviously with that mentality I played even worse but I still tried really really hard every day to work on my throws and take every piece of advice that my coaches gave me whether or not I was on the playing field or was on the sideline just supporting the starters so by the end of the season we actually won second place I didn't really get a lot of play time at very serious tournaments like nationals and that was totally understandable because Toro was a team that really wanted to win the gold. So I totally understood where they were coming from. Like, at times I didn't even want to be on the field because I was so scared that I was going to be the reason why they lost. So after we lost the gold, or if you're thinking more optimistically, won the silver, two things I remember from that night. One, all my teammates were pretty freaking sad, which is very understandable. But two, I remember giving my coaches cards that I had written because one thing about me is that I really like expressing my gratitude in written form. So we were all boarding the bus to go back home and I gave my coaches the cards. They looked at me and said, Chelsea, you are going to be on the starting lineup next year. And I didn't take that as a guarantee, of course, because nothing is ever given, it's always earned. And that that actually came from a quote from one of our warm-up long sleeves. But I took that as a challenge. I, like, ever since that night, I was determined to work so hard during the off-season to improve my throws, improve my game, to be better for summer 2018, which would have been my final year on Toro, and hopefully help the team win the gold medal, if not just medal. And hence why I tried signing myself up for all of these off-season leagues and tournaments which I had mentioned in episode one. So the fact that I couldn't come back the following season to play as potentially a starter but at least not a bench warmer again kind of crushed me because I couldn't say 
oh, there's always next year on Toro because Toro ends pretty much after high school. I kind of wanted to prove to, I guess, the ultimate community that I was worthy of a spot on Toro and that I was capable or decent at ultimate. But, you know, that opportunity was pretty much taken away from me because of my ACL tear. And even up to now, like years later, like I still wish that I could have played that summer because lots of my friends from the B team was were actually moving up to the A team. So ever since my first season on Toro ended, I was so looking forward to playing with my friends from the B team who I had developed like a good relationship with, especially since I felt kind of isolated during my first year on Toro just because I felt like my skill level was so far and below than that of my teammates. But that's not to say that my Toro teammates were mean or bullied me. Like, no, they're like really, really sweet. It's just that in my head, I was very intimidated by them, but they're all like great people. So I guess that also refers to the fact that relationships was definitely something else that I missed out from as a result on my ACL tear because with team sports, of course, you're developing relationships with your teammates and coaches. So It pretty much sucked not being able to participate in team bonding events or like parties and stuff. And then the last thing that I'd say that I missed out on from tearing my ACL is the opportunity to grow as an athlete. Prior to Ultimate, I was into competitive volleyball. But the reason why I switched over to Ultimate was because I didn't feel like I was progressing as much as I've wanted to in volleyball. I would attribute this to the fact that I didn't start playing club volleyball until relatively late. Volleyball is one of those sports where if you want to be really good, you have to start really young. Whereas Ultimate, it's a sport where you can pretty much pick up later on in life and still progress pretty fast. And that's what I loved about Ultimate, how and how that the time and effort you put in correlates to your development as a player. So obviously, since I wasn't playing on the field for almost two years, I wasn't able to grow to my fullest potential as an athlete of ultimate. Of course, I definitely spent a lot of time working on my throws and I'm really glad that I finally attained some level of consistency. But you know, it's not the same as doing some cutting drills or hucking drills or, you know, laying out and like testing your reaction time and your communication on the field, etc. All right, so that was a lot of talking about what I had lost from tearing my ACL. Now I'm going to answer the second question. How did these losses impact me, especially mentally? So they impacted me in two ways, physically and mentally. I definitely would say the mental impact was way greater than the physical impact. The only way that tearing my ACL had impacted me physically was that it took away the form of cardio that I loved most and that I can tolerate the most, that is sports, via volleyball or ultimate. Reason being, I just don't really enjoy doing cardio on machines such as the treadmill or the spin bike just because it's really hard for me to get a good sweat in without focusing so much on the pain. Like since running on the treadmill or spinning on an exercise bike is such a solo experience, it's really easy for me to notice how tired I can get and therefore require myself to expend mental energy on motivating myself. Whereas when I play team sports, there's obviously an objective to volleyball and ultimate. For volleyball, don't let the ball hit the ground. Or ultimate, also don't let the disc hit the ground, but make sure you score the goal. And keeping those objectives in mind allow me to, you know, die for the volleyball or sprint up and down the field in ultimate without 
having to pay so much attention to my exhaustion. And the added benefit of playing team sports is that you have teammates who can literally motivate you to, you know, run faster or dive quicker. So yes, it did suck not being able to play team sports to keep up with my cardio routine, but that's definitely a trivial problem considering I still was fortunate enough to have access to cardio machines to be able to move my body in such a way that made me feel good and made me maintain my overall physical health. So I'm still very grateful for having that option that is cardio machines to keep up with my cardio health. As for my mental health, I would say it suffered, I want to say, for the short term. And this will make sense later on in the episode. Mentally, I experienced bare FOMO. In other words, the fear of missing out. Especially since I couldn't say that there was always next season or next year for High School Ultimate and for Toro, as I've mentioned previously. I definitely felt really disappointed right after I received the news that it was a torn ACL because I think up until March, my school physio had convinced me that I was going to be able to play for high school and for the summer season. I was given some false hope, which then evolved into disappointment. I guess you could say that I felt straight up sad and for sure socially isolated at times. I felt the effects of social isolation the most in my first year at university. Reason being, first year is usually the time that's regarded as the perfect time to meet lots of people and make new friends and perhaps find your friends for life. And for me, I thrive socially through playing team sports. And because I didn't have the chance to, you know, try out for the university's ultimate team or compete in ultimate intramurals, I didn't have the chance to make friends who were also passionate about ultimate. Despite the ways that my losses impacted me negatively, I didn't feel these negative emotions and effects for forever, thankfully. And I can actually explain this using a phenomenon that I learned in one of my psych classes that I took in second year. It's Psych 102 for all you UBC students. It was a course that changed my life. In the positive psychology unit, we learned about the phenomenon called the hedonic treadmill. And the hedonic treadmill states that we can't stay in a state of sadness or happiness for forever. The research shows that when humans experience an event that gives them a surge of happiness, like winning the lottery, lottery winners eventually return to their baseline of happiness as if they had never won the lottery before. The same thing happens when people experience a tragic event or an accident, such as tearing your ACL. At first, Of course, you're going to be sad, but over time, you're going to eventually return to your baseline happiness level. The reason being is because it would be evolutionarily maladaptive to stay in a permanent state of elevated happiness or a depressed state. Hence why, even though I didn't even know about this phenomenon at the time, I had naturally sought ways to elevate my mood and get out of this rut of social isolation, FOMO, sadness, disappointment, to kind of pick myself up off the ground and keep myself growing as a person. As you know, my physical loss was the fact that I just couldn't play sports. I couldn't play volleyball. I couldn't play ultimate. And obviously those are forms of physical activity and physical activity is pretty non-negotiable when it comes to maintaining a healthy lifestyle. But because of my rehab program, I was definitely forced to explore alternative forms of exercise such as squatting and deadlifting. And I would say that my rehab program has definitely made me fall in love with lifting. 
if it weren't for my ACL tear, I probably would have never had the courage to step onto a deadlifting platform or going to the squat rack in the gym. And even though I can't do that right now because of COVID, once this pandemic ends, you best believe that you will see me in the gym lifting. Probably not with the best form or not with the heaviest weights, but that's okay. Because I wasn't contributing time towards ultimate or volleyball anymore, I had more time to explore and find my new favorite forms of physical activity, which is great. As for the mental side of things, I tried my best to keep my head in the game of ultimate just because I didn't want to forget how to play ultimate and I didn't want to forget the rules since there are a lot of rules. I probably have forgotten most of it by now just because of the pandemic and like no one's playing. But anyways, how I try to stay in the game of Ultimate was by coaching Children's Ultimate with the Toronto Ultimate Club. It's a super cool way to, you know, give back to the community, especially since I had enrolled in some junior programs with the Toronto Ultimate Club. So definitely a great way to give back, also have some fun and teach, you know, the next generation of Ultimate players. I also captained my high school's ultimate team in my grade 12 year. So even though I didn't play one game in our official season, I still attended every practice, every game, every tournament to run up and down the sidelines to give feedback to my teammates, set up drills, lead warm-ups, and like just hype my team up because one thing that I definitely took away from my experience playing on Toro in 2017 is that as a bench player, <laughs> there are definitely still things that you can do when you're not physically playing on the field. Like communication is definitely something that is so valuable when you're playing on the field as an ultimate player and that includes receiving communication and information from your teammates who are on the sideline. So it was pretty cool to be involved in my grade 12 season in that way, especially since I had so much knowledge from my single season of playing on Toro to pass on to my high school teammates. And just attending all the practices, games, and tournaments really helped me thrive socially because lots of my closest friends were on the team as well, including my technical producer, Kendra Tam. So it was really fun to watch my friends and my teammates grow as athletes too. Another way I stayed in the game of Ultimate was through one of my physios. So with my third physio, the on-field physio, he designed drills in the way that kind of mimicked and simulated the movements of ultimate which i really appreciated i didn't really ask him to do it but every on-field appointment i pretty much brought a disc and i would practice throwing and i would practice like diving and it was pretty cool to feel as if i was playing again under the supervision of a rehab expert another way i addressed fomo was by visiting toro in the summer of 2018 which was the summer that i should have been playing but wasn't playing so that summer i was getting the surgery and i believe i visited them i think twice before i got the surgery and then once i got the surgery so i visited them twice at practice and then once at nationals and it was really fun visiting them at nationals i was still i think i was still no was i on crutches no i wasn't on crutches but I was still in my post-surgical brace and I was walking very, very slowly. And after the home opening game that they played, once my teammates saw me, they pretty much like flooded the field to come up to me and hug me. And then their coach kind of like yelled at them to come back because they were still like debriefing the game. But like just seeing that rush of like love physically put me in such a good mood and it was just really fun to watch them play on the field even though it hurt at times because in my head I would always be saying like oh Chelsea that that should have been you that could have been you playing but you know it is what it is 
So another way that I addressed social isolation, which was probably the biggest way I addressed social isolation, was by making an ACL recovery account on Instagram. Shout out at ACL dot rcvry so yes you've heard that right i pretty much made an instagram account dedicated to document my acl recovery journey from start to finish i wanted a platform where i could share my story and reach out to other people who are going through the same thing via hashtag the acl club it's like a legit online community and this was honestly a game changer for me because i was able to talk to like over a hundred people around the world over something so awful that is this knee injury, yet just talking to other people, receiving advice and motivation, and also giving tips and motivation and inspiration in return. Like, it's just so beautiful, the fact that we can connect with people via technology. And till this day, Actually, I'm not active at the moment because of my concussion. I can't really go on screens that often. But it's another great outlet in the sense that it's really nice to look back on all the things that I've accomplished. So every time I reached a milestone, I would document it via an Instagram story and I would create a highlight reel. And it's so nice even almost a thousand days later to, you know, flip through those highlight reels and flip through my Instagram posts where I had celebrated my first day of crutches or my first day back on the field of ultimate, you know. So if you ever experience an injury that has a really long recovery process, I highly recommend documenting it in some form because it not only captures your recovery, but it definitely captures your growth as a person and all the time and dedication and diligence you had put into your recovery. In summary, as much as I am sad about enduring all the losses that resulted from tearing my ACL, I am really proud of myself for turning my losses into opportunities. Because of my ACL tear, I was able to give back to my community and volunteer as a coach to little kids. Because of my ACL tear, I was able to develop my leadership skills and captain my high school's ultimate team on the sidelines. Because of my ACL tear, I was able to help others through my ACL recovery Instagram account and empathize with those who were going through the exact same journey. I feel like this mantra of being opportunistic in times where we've lost something is quite applicable and relevant to the COVID-19 pandemic, especially when it first started. As we all know, once the pandemic really escalated, lots of people lost their jobs, their internships, and just lots of in-person opportunities. But one beautiful outcome of that is that people had more time to work on themselves. I saw lots of people on LinkedIn pick up free online courses at like Ivy Leagues. And I saw lots of healthcare professionals work on their online presence and brand by creating Instagram accounts. I saw lots of people just try to embrace the downtime they finally were forced to have and just enjoy it. For example, my mom is one of those people. She is one of the most hardworking people I know. Although the fact that she had to stop working temporarily gave her anxiety, I also saw my mom flourish mentally at home. She she literally went on this baking spree and she just looked so happy spending more time at home. So if you were like my mom, then congrats to you because self-care is definitely a real and important thing these days and always. 
Before I close off this episode, I would also like to mention that some coping mechanisms hurt more than others. What I mean by that is that whenever I visited Oro in summer 2018, as much as it made me happy seeing familiar faces and cheering on for Toro, deep down inside I was always a little sad and it stung every time I saw my team because I couldn't help but just think like, oh man, like that should have been me, you know? And hence why I spent more time coaching and captaining as opposed to visiting and sidelining Toro because it was very important for me to give myself that self-distance and not stay engaged in what could have been my summer because, you know, losses can definitely trigger us in unhealthy ways. I was very cognizant of that. So I think that's just very important for me to mention to give anyone the permission who is going through a loss of their own, whether it's a loss of a relationship, loved one, job, identity to, you know, take care of yourself while you try your best to cope because I I feel like coping is a journey in itself. You've got to try things to find what works for you. Not every coping mechanism is going to work. As I end off here, I want to thank you for listening, of course. Preparing for this episode was really fun, but it was also a little saddening to relive those sentiments again. But thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable with you. really means a lot. I Hopefully, you learned something. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Setback Stories. We're always looking for new topics and guests to bring on the show, and we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to DM us on Instagram at setbackstories or email us at setbackstories at gmail.com. Finally, we're seeking ways to grow and improve our podcasting game. If you can, please leave us a review. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so that you will never miss a bi-weekly episode from yours truly. I'd also like to give credits to my team, co-producer and co-writer Madison Wong and technical producer and editor Kendra Tam. There's so much work that happens behind the scenes and I can't thank you two enough. Till next time. Diversity simply because... Oh. Someone unhinged matched. Wait, no. Like me. Sorry. <laughs> that was my Apple Watch. Okay. Um...